1: Steelers Outpost podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. It's August 14th, 2021. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston outpost, both of us simmering in the 110 degree heat of our respective outposts. Since mom, your sister and I are going to Pittsburgh tomorrow, we decided to do this show today. Not your mom, but you know, not the audience's mom, but your Nick's mom. Yeah, my mom. Hey, so the Steelers essentially beat up on the Eagles, winning their second preseason game, although we did have to come from behind before we sealed up the 24-16 victory. And although it's always nice to win, the team results don't provide the barometer to project what's going to happen this season, because Mm -hmm. as Mike Tomlin put it, we're playing off of note cards, which means the game is devoid of any significant scheming. But after a word from our sponsor... We'll talk about a major acquisition the Steelers made from a former rival.
2: Spotify Green Room, everybody. Spotify Green Room is a live, audio only sports talk platform that's free to download and easy to use. You can talk to other fans, you can talk to athletes, and even insiders in real time. Get the scoop yourself. Let's go straight to the source. Spotify Green Room makes that easy to do it's perfect for watch parties debates post-game breakdowns and you can react to breaking news there in any dramatic or subdued fashion that you like although I suggest drama for the ratings you know everybody's their own personal channel now if you want people looking at you act bigger Okay, all you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app for free
1: in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter and join the So I don't know if you can characterize this as a blockbuster trade, but I wonder if this is gonna turn out to be one of those brilliant Colbert acquisitions that we've seen throughout the years in the with the likes of I don't know about Joe Hayden but close Minka to Minka Fitzpatrick, something the- like that, right? That, that might be a little more than what this guy brings to us, but Joe Schobert. Yeah. Right onto the team to buttress yeah. a questionable inside linebacking core. There's so many
2: things to think about here. On one hand, you know, we kind of touted Spillane's ability to be a starter or a Vince Williams level starter uh, over the offseason, right? On this show. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but I will say, even in his limited. Action in this preseason, I did become worried just based on the fact that he can analyze a play and he darts in there. He is Rudy. He is the undersized white linebacker. Now, I thought he could defy that due to what he did on a basketball court. I saw him go under the legs. I'm like, all right, I'm in. This guy's a professional linebacker. But when I say he's Rudy, he diagnoses the play. He speeds in there and pretty much always gets swallowed up by a blocker, <laughs> whether it's a lineman or a running back or whatever it happens to be. So I do think Spillane could be a low-level starter, and, and obviously that's a high-level backup that you'd be happy with happening. But one of the angles I'm thinking about with this Schobert trade is that obviously there's nothing really behind Spillane that you can actually count on here. So that's one reason why they brought him in. Another thing is, like, a six-round pick for a Pro Bowl linebacker When he was with the Browns just, you know, two, three years ago, who deserved to be that sort of pro bowl linebacker, like this is a very good player. And you get him for a six round pick. I don't know if he's 27 or 28, but he's still got a few good years left. It just seems too good to be true. So his year last year in Jacksonville wasn't great. But then again, that whole team sucked and they're having a regime change, which is the perfect time to buy some of these players. Of course, I don't think this is a Minka Fitzpatrick-level acquisition, but I do think there are similarities in the two situations where the Dolphins were changing regimes at that time. Minka f- sort of forced his way out. I mean, it was really easy for him, right? He didn't have to do an A-B campaign. He was basically like, can I get traded? And they were like, yeah, sure. We're idiots. And the Steelers picked him up for a first, which is crazy because what, what that pick was, what number was that? I mean, probably in the 20s, right? So you basically drafted Minka Fitzpatrick with the 24th pick or whatever it happens to be. And so that's where I think we're at with Joe Schobert. I think Jacksonville has a very odd situation because you have a college coach. We've talked about that ad nauseum. The guy signed the guy brought in Tim Tebow to training camp. I mean, there's gonna be some big shakeups and changes, especially when you consider that the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't going to be competing seriously this year, and Joe Schobert uh, has a large contract. So they're figuring, let's trade this guy and get rid of this contract, and we can start building this team the way we want to. So all of that is to say, I think there is a chance that the Steelers got a very good player here, and that's kind of the second thing I'd like to examine about the situation. Is I, I, This is Kevin Colbert at his finest. He's been wheeling and dealing in the past few Augusts very nicely.
1: How does he stack up against Dirty Red?
2: Nobody stacks up against Dirty Red. Hey, but by the way, speaking of Dirty Red, special teams demon, you get Madakiewicz back on special teams. Or not Matikavich, uh Bob Spokane. Spillane, back on special teams now that he's not starting. So that is actually kind of exciting to have an absolute ace on special teams that way. The last thing I'll say with the Schobert thing is like, um, yeah, the money is interesting, but they're, they're, they're making it work. It does feel weird as a Steelers fan. Now, the Steelers are signing Pro Bowl linebackers, former Pro Bowl linebackers at outside and inside linebacker, and making all kinds of moves. They probably will bring in a free safety somehow, some way. Can't believe they let Malik Hooker get away, especially considering that he didn't sign for anything in Dallas. But we're making all these moves. Still no offensive frickin' linemen. Still no offensive linemen. So I think you could look at this two ways. On one way, you could say the arrogance of this coaching staff is shocking right now to think that this offensive line was going to work in the first place, let alone with the way training camp has unfolded and the fact that they haven't played together at all. And they are just putting so much money onto the defensive side of the ball that it's, it's really obscene. Or you could say, do we know which actual quality starting tackles or backup tackles are even available? Maybe there aren't guys... Maybe the pickings are slimmer. When you get a Joe Schobert level, like, oh, a starting linebacker for a six-round pick and an expensive contract the year before, you you might be getting Ben's contract off of the books. Okay, that's an amazing situation. I don't know if that situation's out there for a tackle, but it just does kind of piss you off when you got Joe Haig as your, as your main guy, and they haven't made any moves since then. Does that rub you the wrong way, Dad, or is it more like... If This is just an opportunity that came across their desk. If a tackle came across their desk, that would be even better. But,
1: yeah, they haven't. I, I know our mantra is football is run by football players, but I, I give Colbert especially a lot more credit. I can't explain the issue about the offensive line. It seems like they're able to find defensive players. They should be able to find offensive players, especially in the year where the pool is deeper because of the salary cost. Um, cap situation, I wonder, and people are still saying there's going to be one more acquisition before the season, and most of what I hear is they're going to look at a safety, but I wonder if there's going to be some availability of offensive linemen before this is all said and done. Yeah, and so I agree it's not done yet. But even picking up one guy does not solve the problem. You you need to build him. We talked last week about how the Steelers have been putting the pieces in place, and I wonder if there's a longer-term game and this this would be an interesting analysis to see how long we're hanging on to these defensive players in anticipation of bringing on a franchise quarterback within the next three years.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's just so presumptuous of me to assume that there's even an option for a Joe Schobert esque offensive tackle. But if you look at the situations, they're almost identical. You have this fan favorite, low athletic profile, no pedigree guy and Robert Spillane who we say, well... He's not that talented, but we have seen him in spurts be uh, an okay starter, so let's have him in there. Okay, well, both of your starting tackles are that guy, Zach Banner and Chooks. And so they made a trade at a position where they had a starter who, who could play a little bit, and now they got a better starter uh, with Joe Schobert. So I just wish that the that the – stars had aligned in the right way to to be able to get an offensive lineman but I almost think that right now I'm dealing a little bit too much in the hypothetical. I just think it's going to be interesting to bookmark this uh, when we get halfway through the season and we really see what this team is like once we get to the end of the preseason and see, hey, have any other teams grabbed offensive linemen? Because I do think the Steelers are in a position where yes, like you said, you're not just going to get one offensive lineman you're going to fix the whole thing, but you could get a you could get another one. You can use all the linemen you can get at this point. So we'll see if anyone gets picked up or if it was like, hey, no one was available. And the Steelers have an absolute, just shocking amount of money into the defense right now. I think that it's reasonable to expect the defense should be pretty damn close to what they were last year. I think with the way that Highsmith is looking, again, it's presumptuous to assume he's going to, you know, just like the world on fire right away. But we saw what he did last year. We saw what he's done so far. I think there's a chance the fall off from Bud to him is not that big. The Mike Hilton and, and Nelson things, those are large. They loom large. But now you have an even better middle linebacker, two better middle linebackers. You get Bush back and you get Schober. You got Minka. You got all kinds of people back there. So this defense is going to need to carry this team. And I just hope that Najee Harris's legs don't
1: fall off. Well, that's that was my point. If you look at the... How, how long guys are locked in? I'm looking at it right now. You're solid through 2022 on the defensive side of the ball. And in 2023, yeah. you really need to focus on toit and Fitzpatrick. And you still really have a good defense in place. And I kind of yeah. think it's going to take that long to get the quarterback we're thinking about. Unless like somebody like Aaron Rodgers falls in our lap, which is... Sure. You know, Falling in your lap is a little understated. But maybe this is about locking down while either Haskins or, or Mason Rudolph's keeps the powder dry until you get a great quarterback.
2: Right. I don't I don't think defenses last that long in the NFL anymore. I, I think you have this defense for this year and next year and then maybe the year after that, and we'll see what they do in the draft. There's every reason to believe they could find some new superstars to go along with T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick. But it just seems, look at the Jaguars, look at the Seahawks, look at the Broncos, all the great defenses of the past decade have kind of had like this two- to four-year window. And uh, so I, I think that they're just doing their best to maximize that because they saw an opportunity with Schobert. and it's not like you can just take any offensive tackle from any team, especially with a six-round pick, to get an actual starter. So I guess I just wanted to talk about the dynamics of the Steelers loading up this way, but you just have to be so impressed with how opportunistic Kevin Colbert has been. There's a salary cap. You only get to spend so much money. This guy fell into your lap just the way Minka Fitzpatrick did. Oh, well, I guess we're going to be an awesome— awesome defensive team the same way the Patriots you know this year or last year realized okay well we don't have the receivers anymore but we got this big running quarterback so before COVID happened they decide oh well we'll be a smash mouth team and they were doing really well so you just take what is given to you you take advantage of the opportunities I love how aggressive Colbert's been the past few years now let's just hope they're a little bit more aggressive getting T.J. Watt's damn deal completed
1: you know my nightmare is that Kevin Colbert Retires, goes to the Turks and Caicos, and he has spent every dollar the Steelers have available for (laughs) the next three years. Let's move on, though. Let's talk about the game a little bit. I listened to Mike Tomlin's interview. He's positive almost all the way around. He said, uh, I was very impressed with the conditioning of the big men, and we did not really focus on this when we talked about the game, the heat in that game, the literal heat in that game, Mm. and how well-conditioned guys had to be. This is the Steelers' second game. I don't know if that makes a big difference to get more used to the heat because you had a previous preseason game. I don't right. know, but the Steelers looked ready for this game.
2: They were. And and the lines were really the story. I mean, the Steelers, would, it seems like they were running like 10 out of 11 plays in the second half. And yeah, it helps to have two potential starting linemen, Kevin Dotson and Dan Moore, who's had a really nice preseason so far. Those two guys are playing on the second offensive line, and they were just massacring people if you just played let's watch dots in every play if you play that little game it was a lot of fun and he handled his business and i would hope that his performance there leads him to just run with the ones from now on i don't know if it was mark caballi who said this but i think he played over he played 30 snaps or so in that game and he had really only played two snaps in practices leading up until then so maybe all this drama with Dotson will be behind us even though i still stand by what i said last week like That was weird, the way Mike Tomlin addressed, oh, he hasn't done anything to deserve reps, yet there are other offensive linemen who, it's just the phrasing is very intentional from a guy who is incredibly well-spoken in that coach speak. So I'm saying there's something a little bit weird there, but then again, maybe he's just, I don't know, trash-talking Dotson. Dotson seems like a little bit of a crazy guy. So uh, it was nice to see the offensive lines and the defensive lines, do as well as they did. And you're absolutely right. Conditioning was a big part of that. And that's one of the biggest elements of Super Bowl contending teams that people don't talk about. Do you have depth on both lines? And can every and are there some workhorses? And it seems like the Steelers have got that going on, definitely on defense. And obviously we know the offensive
1: things are a work in progress. He made a couple of comments. One, that the offense and the defense complemented each other, especially when the offense did – Gave kind of a short field to the defense, and defense was able to hold. He said about Haskins, he was good. He went through his progressions, but we need to see more of him. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting. He, he emphasized a point you make almost every week when he was talking about Ant McFarland. Second-year guys, it all starts with conditioning. Wow. We expect yeah. a jump, and McFarland did even though he, like last year, he missed work, he wasn't ready. This year he said he's ready and he's available. And he also pointed to Antoine Brooks, Carlos Davison, um, James Pierre, as having made that leap.
2: Yeah, well, did they they have some injuries? Was he talking about that as well as injuries as well for those guys? I feel like some of those guys came banged up, Brooks and Pierre. But, yeah, you're right, the the, um, conditioning of those guys – it's, I guess it's just such a massive jump up and to be playing faster,
1: stronger guys all the time and then to have to play 20 games or whatever it is. And we're definitely looking forward to Alex Highsmith. We already have seen evidence oh, yeah. that he has made and, an incredibly... and Chase Claypool,
2: of course, yeah.
1: Some One of the reporters asked him about the uh, letting the Eagles' tight end sort of run wild in the first half, and he said he's not concerned about that right now. This, this goes back to the earlier comment about working off of no cards. He said, we're not trying to trick anybody. We're not challenging quarterbacks intellectually. He said, if you right. get too fancy, he basically alluded, if you get too fancy, we can't really evaluate talent. And that's what right. they were there to do. That's such a phenomenal point. And we talked about that last
2: week or two weeks ago. Last week, actually, in regards to the Cowboys game. Look, a big part of the way the Pittsburgh Steelers play football, it's basically chaos on defense. It's Sure, there's game plan-specific stuff, but it's not so much about that. Like, the Patriots are going to take away your your best weapon, make you play one hand, tie behind your back. They're going to watch every film you've ever had of every preseason and regular season game, and they're going to know exactly what plays you want to run and down and distance. Of course, the Steelers will, will... do that, like any professional defense, but what they're really good at is exotic and weird-looking blitz sequences. And so when you don't have that, you know, it's going to be easier for offenses to make plays. And I like what Mike Tomlin said. It's also more difficult for the Steelers to evaluate their own players because, for God's sake, we need to spread the damn word here. So much of football is about scheme. You can't say, oh, Jared Goff, Super Bowl uh contending quarterback jimmy garoppolo oh he was in a super bowl these are guys who were propped up by a system and they weren't complete dog turds so they didn't uh knock their teams out of the playoffs but by no means are they high on the list of why those teams made the super bowl the scheme is so same thing with the steelers we can't let people be getting sacks because they're running stunts and, and you know somebody else is eating up their guy. We need to see them go one-on-one. And I'll say the one matchup that has kind of had me disappointed is Devin Bush in coverage. As it has not been nice. Like, he really needs to figure that out. He's faster than the guys who are dusting him, but Dallas Goddard got him on a big one. I really hope they find a way to get him uh, cued in with that. But granted, he's still just playing football for the first time in a full year.
1: Yeah, and we're going to evaluate the positions in a minute But you had alluded earlier to the way Mike Tomlin phrases things And he said two things during this news conference that really got my attention The first one was, when asked about Joe Sherbert Sherbert. That's going to be tough he He said, and this is a quote, I'll address it when I'm allowed to And it felt like, did you really need to say that? Is there, I mean, it's sort of like the NFL says you're not allowed to They fine you, yeah it, it, but it, the fact he said that sounds petulant, like oh, "screw you guys." Yeah, he yeah, yeah. He could have just said, "I'll address it when I have more information" or something. But right, no, great point,
2: great point. That was it. That was a shot
1: for sure. The thing that might be in, an indicator that Mike is jumping the shark is the fact that he actually injected some humor in this when he said when he was asked whether he's planning to play Ben next week, and he said, "I am." Pause. Surprised you with that answer, didn't I? And a big smile on his face. Like, don't you find that funny? Like, he never. He's as, he's as serious as a heart attack. He never tells you about his plans, especially for Ben. And uh, he was a little playful during the yeah, I, Yeah, this in, those post,
2: in those post games, of course. But obviously, on, on the field, whenever you see any footage of him or if you heard him on the Flying Coach podcast, he's funny as hell. He's always joking around. He's such a good good like lighthearted guy too so that is mike tomlin but you're right to slip it into in a, the
1: pressers no Not exactly to slip pressers. it into a
2: presser where he's usually just trying to get the hell out of there exactly. uh, that is pretty good do you want to touch on that real quick i want to double down on the ben thing we said last week i want to see him in both of the next games i know we won't have him there traditionally ben plays in the third preseason game and that's about it so i'm sure that's what they'll roll with I just think we are verging on arrogance here with the Pittsburgh coaching staff, assuming that that offense is going to be okay to go uh, week one versus the Bills, and I think it could take eight, nine, ten weeks, and you don't have that many losses to give in this insane AFC North.
1: And Ben has a history of needing weeks to knock the rust off.
2: Yeah, especially as he's gotten older. He's been way worse at the beginning of years. I know you can point to last year, like, uh, he was actually better in the beginning of the year, but... It wasn't like he was tearing people up. So uh, we'll see what it is. My thing is more like it's a brand-new offense for the first time in 20 years. It's a brand-new offensive line at every single position with nobody proven, no pedigree either. So there's no reason to just be like, okay, well, we're pretty sure Najee Harris will be good. There is no Najee Harris on that offensive line. It's a bunch of third-round castaways. So I I really wish they would play Ben and the starting offense a lot more. Although if they come out next week and go – Touchdown, field goal. Well, let's be let's be serious. There's no chance in God's green earth that the Pittsburgh Steelers will score an opening touchdown, opening drive touchdown next week. So let's hope field goal and touchdown, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would like to see them play. On Twitter, I'm seeing the opposite. Everyone, save them, save them, save them. I think that that was true in the Killer B era when, like, we know what we have. It's the same line, Hall of Fame ish. For, well, you know, Steelers Hall of Honor type of line and the collection of Hall of Fame skill position players who have played together for a few years, who, by the way, always get injured in the playoffs, and this is where the seasons go awry. I get that. Don't play them in the preseason. This is nothing but questions. So that's frustrating. And I'm worried that that promising first drive the Steelers had with a couple 10 yard runs for the Pittsburgh Steelers, marred by penalties. I think we're going to see an absolutely maddening amount of penalties early season with the offensive line having to hold their way to adequacy.
1: Do you think that we should start with Haskins or Rudolph with the first string offensive line just to try it out first before you expose Ben? What do you mean? Are you joking? Like kind of test the temperature of the water. Like oh no, they're too <laughs> porous. So let's, we got we need another week or two before we put Ben out there. It's not the worst idea. No, you just got to it, it. Is they already made their
2: bed? They'll lie in it to use in a tom uh, to use a Tomlin saying. Ben's gonna have to figure out how to get back there and play. And he always says, "I need that first hit." Like I need Ben to get hit in that game. It's just so obvious. He actually plays better after that happens. When you realize, oh, it's gonna be okay. I'm not dead. And uh, I just you know. I'm just, I'm worried for the offense. I think that it's been a very encouraging first two games. There's a lot of good players. I think the Steelers will be better at running. That's saying nothing. It was the worst running team in the history of the game of football last year, so anything's going to be better. But you obviously see Najee Harris carrying people for five yards. It is amazing. But, oh, my God, the way that they're planning to use that guy. I mean, what are the odds of him playing every game? Like, I don't want to jinx it, but that just seems insane to me. So We'll have to give Claypool some carries on some jet sweeps and stuff like that to take the pressure off of Najee. But I really hope that we get to see some some good stuff from the Steelers' offense next week, and I guess we'll be able to finally see the offensive line play together for the first time. But, yeah, there's my little soliloquy after Tomlin's comment on playing
1: Ben next week. Well, let's talk about the game a little bit. And I needed a few days to process what I saw because I was – Putting pins in my <laughs> eyes by ten o'clock, trying to stay awake watching that snooze fest. Yeah, when you stand back, I as excited as I am, and mercifully the game started at seven thirty Eastern, so I didn't have to stay up until midnight. And my heart wasn't racing at the end, which was an added benefit. But when you stood back and looked at the time of possession, I didn't really realize it as it was as the paint was drying. Steelers forty-one minutes versus nineteen for the Eagles. And it didn't feel that way probably because the part of the game that I was awake for was the beginning.
2: Right. I mean, it just – it backs up what we were saying in the first uh, opening – part of the podcast that 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 second team offensive line was just utterly dominant while Jalen fourth quarter preseason man Samuels was forced to try his best to make some nice runs there so yeah obviously you and I say we're not really judging the game and the box score and those things so much as we are individual performances but that does mean the performance of the offensive line those second team guys was significant in that way so yeah crazy time of
1: possession for the Steelmen so let me... I just had one observation. Sure. You know, the 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 victory, while good, doesn't really speak to the purpose of the game. The purpose of the game is to evaluate players, right? And and obviously maybe to try out some of the offensive and defensive schemes, which they don't do a whole lot of complexity on. Yeah. But the problem is, you know, you have 11 guys out on the field and they each player, they really split up the playing time. Well, my point is, the little the slices of the pie are so slim for every player. Right. You really don't have a great body of work to judge these guys from. Obviously they're in training camp all the time, but there's just a different thing you're assessing when they're in a competitive situation against another team. And I'm I guess my conclusion is you got to be damn near perfect if you're an edge of the herd guy trying to make this You know, making a splash play or a spectacular play, I just don't think, makes the team. You have to be consistently perfect on the three or four times you're going to even come close to the ball.
2: You know what's crazy is the older I get and the more we uh, follow training camp, they don't even get that. You realize that they don't even get that many reps in training camp. Like When they do that seven-shots drill, I remember when we first heard of that many years ago. And you think, oh, they get seven chances. No, they get two or three with Ben, and then they put in the backups for two or three, and then they put in the third strings for two of them, right? So I agree with you. It is amazing that they're able to evaluate these guys when you're legitimately only getting a couple reps per day. Like Ben had like – I feel like 68 pass attempts in all of training camp by last week. Like that's insanity, but – You know, if you really know football and you're on the field with these guys, too, like, you can see how they move. You can see how they process. So I guess they get enough time to
1: to evaluate what they need. Why don't we jump in and talk about the quarterback situation and what, uh, how about, uh, well, I guess we can kind of write off Josh, Josh Dobbs at this point. Yeah, I'm I think he's trying really hard. That first pass was an interception. He's trying That's to get brutal. into a tight window, but it just looks like we're, we're biding time right now.
2: He was screwed anyways, unless, unless Haskins was an utter train wreck. So I love that they brought him in. But, yeah, let's talk about the quarterbacks. We lasted this long without talking about the savior, Dwayne Haskins. But, hey, definitive step forward for him, right? Like, I think I was a little bit frustrated when the game ended, thinking that, well, I definitely liked how he played this week more than he did last week. He's not throwing the ball at receivers' feet on one-yard passes like he did against the Cowboys, which also kind of confirms, all right, he was a little nervous against the Cowboys, and I can't totally blame him. He has a lot riding on this Steelers preseason. So at first I thought, okay, great, he was under control. I just really would like to see him throw a couple more downfield passes. And then you and I realized, oh, he did throw that laser beam to, to Bussy, and he threw another one downfield. So there weren't a ton of them, but it was a definitive step up from last game he's under control he's clearly just a better athlete and thrower than mason rudolph is although he's not as good of a thrower and athlete really as any of the other first round quarter quarterbacks we've seen from the past four or five years if he had to rank him he'd be pretty low on that list uh so i i don't want people to get overly carried away um with how how excellent his pedigree is. He's like when Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, obviously you're talking about Ben Roethlisberger an all time great, but Dwayne Haskins doesn't do a single thing as well as a bend it when he was a rookie. Ben's arms, better, smoother, quicker release, faster, better scrambler, bigger body, everything like that. So let's not get too carried away thinking that this is a Justin Herbert type of guy. Right. But it is clear that he is more physically talented than Mason Rudolph. The only thing I would say about them is I don't think that Haskins is outplaying Rudolph right now. I just think he's getting a ton more um, snaps. And the reason why I don't think he's outplaying Rudolph, who I've been pretty vocal about, not a massive fan of him, of Rudolph. So, you know, this it says a lot for me to try and defend Rudolph in these instances. The thing I like about Rudolph is if he gets two drives, he's hitting a 30-yard pass. And it's going to be timed. It's going to be a beautiful NFL throw. Like what he had to Claypool last week. Like what he had to Claypool on the deep one. And then what he had on all those out routes. 15-yard out routes. Those are starting quarterback throws. And then, of course, the nice lob to Deontay Johnson um, this past week. And I just need to see something like that from Dwayne Haskins besides busted plays. Which is like, okay, good. Haskins doing a good job there. But I, I would love to see at least... One or two of those before the preseason ends. But I will say, I think they're pretty neck and neck. And obviously, Haskins has much more upside. I hope they put him in before Mason in this next game here. Because it was a, it was definitely an impressive step forward and an impressive performance for Haskins. And so far, man, everything seems to be going according to plan for him in, in terms of his trajectory with the Steelers, right?
1: You said it earlier that they are sort of giving him baby steps to sort of introduce him to the Steelers. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be very telling when he's under NFL pressure to see whether the decision-making has improved over what we saw in Washington. So that's going to be – I'm not, not being critical. I'm just saying you can only assess so much when he's playing against uh, second-string, third-string players. Just to put things in perspective, he – he had forty-eight snaps versus Mason. So it yeah, it's Mason's the ability for him to do a whole lot is is limited. But I rewatched the game, watching both of those guys, because the frustrating thing that we talked about last week is the ball didn't really go past the line of scrimmage on most passes. Right. And it started out that way in this one. But Haskins threw like, I think it was a half a dozen passes that went over over ten yards in the air before, you know, the hitting somebody. And he had the one to Bussy for twenty-four yards. Uh, the, and that one, can we talk about that one real quick? The reason sure. why that one is nice is because that throw Mason cannot make.
2: His arm's not strong enough. He threw it on a line. Like, the corner must have been an, either an underneath coverage or, or didn't pass it off at the right time. But he had to fit it in in between the corner and the safety. And But, by the way, it wasn't as nice as, uh, well – mason almost got juju murdered with that with that deep slant route but that was more like okay that was a very slim window so it wasn't as slim as that but it was slim enough where it's like oh you gotta rocket that ball in there and he rocketed right in there perfectly hit him on the number so easily his best throw the preseason so far that one to bust up the left side
1: yeah and he threw the touchdown pass to anthony johnson and you might take away credit because it was on a busted play but you know that's table stakes. You have to make that. And he did. He made a nice roll out to his right and found the yeah. guy in the yeah, wide yeah. open in the back of the. We like it. End we like that he made
2: the play. That's great. But uh, we specifically are looking for 20, 30 yard throws. And while that one technically was one, we're not grading. It, it didn't fulfill that requirement for us of like a degree of difficulty. I would just rank it more as like a nice. You finished a drive really well. And for a guy who has been comically unaware on the field he was very aware to use the hard count and then to find the guy for the touchdown and i love how aggressive he was he wasn't looking for a little thing he knew to be like we got to go to the end zone it's a free play so i like that i thought that the quarterbacks were good i think they've been pretty much neck and neck and i do think obviously haskins is more talented and we just got to hope that uh he gets to play with i uh, you know he gets to play with uh higher up guys in the depth chart because i'd We'd all like to see him beat out Mason because we know that his potential is a little bit higher. No offense to Mason.
1: Let's go to running back. And the first question I have for you is, does Najee have to jump on every play? It <laughs> makes me so nervous. So you, I, I
2: think I was trying to update you on this last week. Like He is famous for that. It is as normal as breathing to him. It's the same as a juke move. He's been doing it literally since high school where he was the number one recruited player in the entire country. And he doesn't do what Le'Veon does, where Le'Veon would jump over a guy, land, and kind of get tackled immediately. This is an actual juke move for the guy. He jumps over people and he keeps running. So I, I know it's, it's weird. We used to say that all the time with Le'Veon Bell, like, Oh, we're scared of it. It, it doesn't really affect me. It just seems like he's done it at every level in the sec against the best players. And he just kind of has the timing and the rhythm down um, where it's been. Okay. And of course I'll be famous last words for me, but I'm like, whatever, dude, they threw, they, they bet so much on this guy to revitalize your running game, realizing he's playing a, a position that's, it's tough to make it through a full season, right? Like, if you're going to bet your mind on him, just go. Go all out, Najee. It's an effective move for him, obviously, the coolest college run of all time when he jumped over that Notre Dame
1: guy. Well, I don't know if this is a function of the Steelers running game exploding. Probably not. But the Steelers actually did pretty well in the run. There were um, several busted – not busted plays, but long runs by Steeler running backs. Brooks James. Yeah. He looked fast.
2: He looked, he looked good bursting through the hole there, for sure. He had a little bit more uh, pop than some of the backup Steelers uh, running backs of recent. Obviously, we didn't get to see Kalen Balaj, but that Brooks James run
1: was nice. Yeah, so did Jalen Samuels save his job last night, or Thursday night?
2: I mean, those holes were absolutely massive. You know, everybody knows where we stand on Jalen Samuels. It's just... There's literally no upside to him. So it's unfortunate that Kalen Ballard wasn't able to play. But let's talk about McFarland real quick because clearly there's Najee Harris and then McFarland and then there's no talent after that. Everything else is is plodding on the Steelers running backs. McFarland has some talent. His burst is incredible and he has a nice little low center of gravity. He doesn't have a, a ton of power for sure. We saw him get blown back by a couple guys. But he is solidly built where it doesn't feel like he's just like a tiny little scat. I mean, he's a scat back for sure. But he is well built and low to the ground. I guess I'm such a fan of him because I see how fast he moves, and it sort of seems like, man, I would love to see him get in the open field and see if he can break an 80-yard touchdown because if he can do that as well as he bursts through the line of scrimmage, you might say like, oh, this might be a top 10 kind of like fastest running back in the league. Not a top 10 talent running back, but this guy can really move. So I, I have nerves about him. Last year I was so excited when you saw him move on the field. Like, oh, man, Steelers haven't had this in a while. This year I have a, a scary suspicion that like this guy just doesn't have feel and he doesn't know how to hit holes. He's Everything's always moving way too fast for him. And I was comforted when he actually pointed that out about his game. That's the main thing he's working on. It's like, slow down find the right holes, and he clearly has done a little bit better job of that. Uh, I thought that touchdown run was phenomenal where he got swallowed up inside and then just kind of bounced it out and dove into the end zone. That's just an example of the type of athleticism he has and low center of gravity. Um, But I would love to see him get, you know, like 10 carries next game. I think every little shred of experience he gets has been really helpful. And if we can keep your fingers crossed that that guy could, you know, no pun intended, turn the corner – uh, and, and be a legitimate running back too that would be incredibly exciting because you'd have the always coveted thunder and lightning kind of running back duo there so I, I thought that he played well and definitively took a step forward there
1: can we just take a minute to mention pete guerrero hell yeah he of monmouth at the end he sort of did mop up duty fast very fast Although he only had two 2.9 uh average carries. So let's Whatever. move on to the offensive line. What what are your impressions of the line, given that uh I don't know if this is meaningful, but one sack against Mason, otherwise and a bunch of holding penalties untouched. that
2: ruin drives. So I think they're exactly where Tom we thought they would be.
1: Drive killer, right? Yeah,
2: I think they're exactly where we thought we'd be. Like Friarmouth, clearly, still need to work on that blocking, had that killer awful holding penalty early. I think uh, it was a good welcome-to-the-NFL moment for Kendrick Green. He got dog-walked back into Mason Rudolph in one of those snaps, and that's what you have to worry about with undersized guys like him. So I'm actually glad he had that experience. I'm sure he's had to play against Cam Hayward or or something during camp, so I'm sure this has happened to him before. But I'm going to choose to look at it as a positive in terms of like, hey, now you've really seen – what people mean by, hey, your size is going to be a little bit tricky for you. So now he can work around that. Yeah, the line start again. We just have no idea. The starting line isn't played together. You still have Rashad, Rashad Coward in there and all that stuff. But I'll just repeat myself from that intro blurb that Dotson and Moore dominating on the second team was really encouraging and I hope we get to see Dotson just now run with the first team permanently. Let's, let's stop this dog and pony show, Tomlin. Like, he went in there, he dominated, put him in. We do not have time to waste in terms of this offensive line gelling.
1: Okay. Let's talk about the wide receivers. There were actually some, like we were talking about with the quarterbacks, there was actually some longer pass plays to be had there. And guys were hanging on to the ball, particularly impressed with Cody White. He keeps showing up every week. I think they
2: really like him. They're they're putting him in a lot, and I thought he had some, it's probably that number 15 or whatever, but some Golden Tate-esque uh, little short catches where he would squirm around and, and get a first down on a little grit play that way. Uh, the catch by Juju was just it's excellent. You know, Mason Rudolph put a hospital ball up there. Third down, comes down with a beautiful catch, not scared to get hit. Juju's just a man. Every time he makes a play, I'm always like, what a ridiculous fan base. This this is such a stealer player, like who you would have worshipped 10 years ago, but he made a TikTok video and now we all hate him. That That's just a Steelers stealer. It's Heinz Ward reincarnated. By the way, Every fan and player outside of Pittsburgh hates Hines Ward. So, it's really perfect. Um, I don't even remember if Claypool really did much, but obviously Deontay's route and catch was beautiful. That's that's number one receiver type stuff.
1: Claypool lost two yards on that one jet sweep, remember? Oh, yeah.
2: That, oh, yeah, yeah. That wasn't really on him, though. So, yeah, we'll see. I thought that they played well when you're looking at the starters that way. And those backups are really, you know, they're doing the thing. Anthony Johnson seems like he's always... Finding his way to pay dirt and uh, Bussy getting downfield and stuff like that. Nothing, honestly, nothing that really stood out to me though, except for Juju's catch. Yeah, we had the traditional tight end drops. Yeah, they're little comedy capers in that tight end room. There, wish we got to see Frymuth catch one. Hopefully next week. Didn't he open his NFL career, at least the preseason,
1: with the holding oh, penalty? Right. He
2: had a catch as well. He had one catch, which is nice to get that first catch. Precisely. Precisely. Yeah, and get that hold out of the way as well. <laughs> That's how that works, right? You can, you can get holds out of the way.
1: Yeah. Let's flip to the other side of the ball and talk about the defensive. And you and I were talking, as we both came from our respective grocery stores, talking about the defensive line and how they performed and the depth the Steelers enjoy there. Louder milk is good there.
2: uh, It looks like the Steelers knew something that everyone else didn't because people hated the Steelers trading up for louder milk. And he has been very good, apparently in camp. um, I don't want to exaggerate with very good, but he's had flashes of being very good. And he did the same thing. uh, This, this uh, past game, Wormley. Look, the Steelers have a nice deep defensive line that once again, Massive sign of success. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles and the Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks and the New England Patriots and basically all of the past Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, they all have depth at the defensive line. It looks like the closer we get to the season, the more we can confirm the Steelers have that going on. That's just so exciting. And, and to have, I just can't, you know, Wormley and alu Alu's staying in Pittsburgh, it's just it's phenomenal. So yeah, they were, they were pretty awesome.
1: But the inside linebackers, a little bit of a different story.
2: Yep, yeah, we pointed it out in the intro as well. Devin Bush on the, needs some work on that man-to-man coverage. I have faith that he'll be able to figure that out. I, and I, I don't know if he'll be able to figure it out this year or if it's going to be some crazy emphasis that he has for next year. Like, okay, this last year for Deontay Johnson, I mean, there's one thing we knew he was going to focus on in the offseason, Right dropping the ball and not doing that anymore. <laughs> Maybe that'll be what Devin Bush does going from 2021 season into 2022 is like uh, focusing on figuring out man-to-man coverage and, and being dominant there because he should be. I mean, his athletic talent, his speed, his change of direction, his ability to catch, his ability to be an athlete is is all phenomenal. But I guess his technique needs a little bit of work in that general area.
1: Do you think that the acquisition of Joe Schobert is the death knell for UG3 Yes. in addition to his performance over these first two oh, games. Oh,
2: man, yeah, it's been disappointing. Look, he came out of Akron as a guy who misses a ton of tackles, and that's what he's done on the Steelers. So I, I think that with the injuries and then when he gets in, he's missing the tackles, I think it's kind of coming to an end for him here, which is disappointing because we were, we were psyched about him just with his athletic profile. How do you rate the secondary? Well, they keep picking the ball off, right? I mean, it's, it's like uh, they're not making incredible interceptions, but the pass rush in, in Pittsburgh is so freaking good. And by the way, Joe Schobert also a good blitzer. That, that's going to be super valuable. That pass rush is going to be badass this year. And it was badass a couple years ago, but the damn secondary wouldn't want to catch the ball, right? And then they turned that around in a massive way, and they've been great at it in the past few years, and it looks like they're going to continue that. So I'm really excited. Cam Sutton got a little dusted. He got a little tore up in this game. That was definitely a little nerve-wracking, but uh, we've seen him play on Sundays plenty of times to know, like, all right, you're going to be good with Cam Sutton. Um, but uh, not, a, uh, not a great pedigree group with the Steelers. But here's what they have. Frickin' Minka Fitzpatrick, the eraser. I mean, it is just so massive because the Steelers have no like pedigree. They don't have great athletes at corner. Whenever they try to draft good athletes, they get Justin Lane and Artie Byrne. So that I I support them not going in that direction anymore. But when you don't have great athletes, you get nervous about playing Stephon Diggs and Tyree Kill and these AFC and maybe even Odell. Odell's out there, he's lurking. I swear he's going to be back. You think about these guys, oh God, we're going to get beat deep, but you have the premier free safety in the league. So that's a massive, massive advantage, especially when you consider the pass rush is incredible and really confusing. So offenses are just going to have to constantly be worried about that. And the Steelers might have a little bit of a boomer and a bust, but uh, in terms of letting up a big player, getting a great sack, but having that free safety is so massive. So, Speaking of free safety, they do not have a backup free safety i I hate to say this man i don't think Trey Norwood is an NFL player. I mean he runs away from the tackle he has no idea how to take angles i just i don't think the guy literally can play at the NFL at this point, so that probably will be their last acquisition. but I guess that's my thought on the secondary is like they're fighting for the ball they're they're being very ball aware and they have a They have incredible talent behind them and in front of them where they might not have to be super locked down, although I I won't be surprised if you see, you know, Stefan Diggs absolutely just embarrass them like he did last year.
1: And I'm not sure if we can evaluate special teams uh, as a team because uh, they they didn't do that great on kickoffs. I mean, the Eagles averaged 25 yards on a kickoff, letting up a long of 35 punts. They didn't get really too much opportunity to cover, but... Jordan Berry is not giving up his job easily.
2: Seriously,
1: Even he, he that was the best game
2: it. he ever played. <laughs> better late like than never, dude. Yeah, we'll yeah, see well, what we had,
1: happens. Remember, we had to we had to fire him last year to light a fire under him.
2: Isn't that weird? Because no it worked. He he played better after that. It just shows you what a mental game that kicking game is.
1: Hey, we're going to uh, go back, go to sponsor right now. We have a couple little items. To, and one of the ones you're talking about, the pedigree secondary. It's a relevant story. But before we get to that pedigree and the secondary, we're going to talk to you about Spotify Green Room.
2: This app is phenomenal, guys. It's a live, audio-only, sports talk platform that's free to download and easy to use. You can talk to insiders, athletes, and fans in real time. You can react to breaking news. You can get into debates. You can embarrass yourself in a public forum. Due to your passion for sports, all you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app for free in the iOS store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group.
1: You may have thought with an acquisition, uh, the likes of which is Joe Schobert that we wouldn't be talking about cap space room. But it looks like the Steelers have six million dollars to work with. Can you believe that? I I don't I don't understand it. I know they still have Boswell into
2: it to restructure, but especially after this COVID year, the salary cap is just an
1: enigma wrapped in another enigma. So, as far as pedigree secondary, he may not be in his prime, but Joe Hayden has said that he wants to end his career in Pittsburgh, and he's looking for his third contract in the burg.
2: So, this one obviously is weird because everybody loves Joe Hayden because he's the most likable, awesome guy that you could ever have on your football team. He's played awesome as a Pittsburgh Steeler, not to the level that he did at his peak with the Browns, but not that far away from it either. Has stabilized the defense with his leadership and his intelligence on in the back end. He lets them do a lot of different things and play games that way. But he's also, what, 32 years old? He's already a little slow. Giving him a contract seems sort of insane. But if it was done at a low price, especially since he's saying in public that he wants to end his career there, which seems to be, I mean, that's, they use that in negotiations. Like, you listen to any agent or GM talk on McAfee's show, uh, there's some GMs who have come on and said that. Like, I really wish... You know They didn't keep praising this quarterback over and over again, the coach, in their in their interviews, because now we are getting squeezed by the agents. They'll use all of that. So maybe there is hope to get Joe Hayden on a really small contract, because, dude, I'm not paying 33-year-old corners like any significant part of my salary cap. Why would you? Especially when he, he fits in so well in Pittsburgh. Of course, I would love to see him finish his career in Pittsburgh. I'd I don't see them giving him a deal now. I think it really is like, well, we've been talking about Joe Hayden for the past year. When those cornerbacks go, it goes hard because it's such a speed-based position. You you don't know the routes the receivers are running. You have to be able to run and catch up to guys all the time. So when you lose that step, you lose a lot. You lose your livelihood. So I think they're just going to have to keep an eye on him through this year. But if he has an identical year this year as to what he did last year, I would expect that they'd try and work something out, especially since he's already cutting the price down with the with talking about wanting to retire with the Steelers in public. And I will be thrilled. I mean, this is like an undercover all-time favorite Steeler. Like, so lucky to get Joe Hayden. He's been nothing but awesome on the field and off the field since he's been in Pittsburgh.
1: Next on the agenda, the Detroit Lions next Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers.
2: Okay, bye-bye.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it
3: So I'm going to tell it Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year. I'd like to forget to listen to Broomgate search for BroomGate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word BroomGate. Okay. It's time to commit. 2024
0: is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with bite and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks.